run in the high Take a walk on the weird side It goes bump in the night Take a walk on the weird side They can't trust the living They can't kill the dead They can't stop the voices inside the head They can't run They can't hide Take a walk on the weird side Well, welcome back, weirdos Welcome back, everybody I'm Hannah And I'm Taylor And together we are Weird, Weird Side Podcast. Podcast. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed the last episode that we came out with, which was a film review of Evil Dead 1 and 2. If you enjoyed those, you'll be in for a treat this episode, where we will be reviewing the rest of the films in the Evil Dead series, which is Army of Darkness, Evil Dead Remake in 2013, and Evil Dead Rise. But before we get into today's topics, we'd like to give our usual announcements and shout-outs. A friend of mine recently, him and his family had to move out of their home. I'm not really sure the circumstances surrounding it, but he said it was something pertaining to the health for their children. So they have suddenly had to relocate, and they are a family who unfortunately tends to struggle every so often, and this move has really taken a toll on them. So they have requested anybody on a GoFundMe page if they have anything to donate, and they're not looking for money. They even have a grocery list at Walmart. If you are able to do an order for them and pick up an order for them, they would greatly appreciate any help that they could give. It's the Graham family. I'll be sure to post the link to their GoFundMe page in the episode description. Please just keep that family in your thoughts and prayers. On August 12th, Saturday... There will be a Fallen Officers Baseball Tournament at the Christiansburg Baseball Center. A lot of officers I work with will be there in honor of Fallen Officers. So, if you're looking for something to do, go and check them out and show your respects. Taylor and I will be taking a break from the show on the next episode. Maybe the one after that. Not sure. I don't think we'll need a month break. But Taylor and I are going to Australia from August 26th through September 5th. Good day. <laughs> we are so excited. It is definitely a once-in-a-lifetime trip. But having said that, we will be behind on the show, and we appreciate understanding in advance. As far as our little gizmo, he is doing really well into the household. He's adjusting very well. And even though he's been a little bit of a challenge with training because he's been so behind, he's gotten the hang of things really easily, and not to jinx the thing which I probably just did, but we have had three days in a row now with no accidents in the house. Puppy training. Puppy parenting. <laughs> we actually have a trainer that's coming to the house this Sunday to work on some things with him. So we are looking forward to that, but our new fur baby is adjusting quite well into the home. And I must say, rescue dogs. There, It is so fulfilling. I never knew how fulfilling it would be until you got me into it, and now I feel, I don't know, I just... Just feels good, you know what I mean? Yes, you've always wanted a Frenchie, and we I do. finally found I one. Do. I do. I think our Reese sent one our way. Yes, yes, they did. Speaking of Reese, we had a memorial service for Reese on the July 28th, and that went really well. We had some close family and friends stop by and just share their memories with Reese and be there to enjoy the moment, and we really appreciated them doing that. So, huge shout out to them. Thank you for being there for us during this difficult time. It's getting I'd say a little bit better day by day. You never forget them, and you still get sad, but it's a little bit easier day by day. Mm-hmm. Jumping into our usual shout-outs, I'd like to give a big shout-out to Derek Nowlin of Steak and Sauce Podcast, which, by the way, we are going on his show today to record an episode, so we'll be sure to post the link to that once it's out. Derek! Derek is a 
funny guy. He is hilarious. He does stand-up comedy, and he is just funny as hell on his show, too. And I love listening to him and Antonio banter back and forth. But Steak and Sauce Podcast is a show that's about life, real-life scenarios, and just with a funny twist to it. So be sure to check them out. We'll post the link for his show in our episode description, just as we do every time. Our next shout-out we want to give to is my bestie, Meredith, for designing Weird Side's logo. And our friend Logan for doing his version of Meredith's design. His design is the one that we use for our uploads, but Meredith's is still at heart. We use Meredith's logo for our background on our YouTube page. And we also have Meredith's original design on the back of our Weird Side podcast t-shirts. Which we just so happy to be wearing right now. Right? (laughs) And last but not least, my good friend Icarus and Holy for writing Weird Side's theme song. It is so spot on. It's awesome. I just don't know any other words to say. It's just freaking awesome. But he has so much talent, and he has a lot of beautiful and awesome and fun songs out there. So be sure to check out his stuff on his YouTube page, which I'll also post the link to. And without further ado, we'll get into the show. Army of Darkness came out in 1993, directed by Sam Raimi, who was also the director of Evil Dead 1 and 2. Army of Darkness came out on February 13th, 1993, right in time for Valentine's Day. If me and you were alive back then, I feel like this is how we would definitely celebrate our Valentine's Day. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Crow came out around this same time, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. If I had to pick between the two, you know oh, which movie I'm going oh, to. Oh, yeah, I know. You're a huge Crow you fan. You know which one I'm going to. The budget for Army of Darkness was $13 million. But the film ended up grossing in the U.S. and Canada eleven million five hundred two nine hundred seventy six thousand. Did I say that right? What was it? Eleven million five hundred and two thousand and nine hundred and seventy six dollars. I was worldwide. close. That was U.S. and Canada, and worldwide it lost a, quite a about a million and a half. Worldwide, it was eleven million five hundred and five thousand nine hundred and twenty-five dollars. They literally made like three thousand. Yeah, so overall, yeah, like Taylor's right. It ended up losing money, which kind of shocks me because it's and again, it's a cult film. Just, just like the first one and second one, this one's, this one's pretty favored among fans. Yeah, it might be one of those movies that didn't really get its recognition when it was out, and mm-hmm. then. Whenever, I think years later, it probably, everybody was like, hmm, this movie is good. Mm-hmm. I should have given it a chance then. You ever realize those are like some of the best movies though? Yeah. Well, like, you know so. what's weird about like horror movies? And this is just in general. Horror movies might not be good when they come out. They might not have a lot of budget. But have you noticed like compared to like the big blockbuster movies that come out all the time and then they just disappear within two days, like two years, like, you don't hear about them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then when they resurface after its time, you're like, damn, this movie was good. Yeah, it was like, that movie was good. Yeah, those are the best ones, I think. Army of Darkness was shot in Los Angeles, California. Hmm. Body count for this movie, I got 38 total, plus several skeletons. IMDb rates it a 7.4 out of 10. So, it's ranked relatively highly. I think... For it to lose that much money? That's, that's so weird. I know. So weird. So I think it ranks, if I can remember correctly, it ranks above original Evil Dead, but below Evil Dead 2. I think Evil Dead 1 was 7.2. You know what? Or Evil Dead 1 was 7.2, and Evil Dead 2 was 7.7. I'm going to be honest with you, and we're going to disagree on this. I kind of agree with it. 
With the rating on Army Darkness? Yeah. Like, no, just like the placement, like Evil Dead down here, mm-hmm. then Army of Darkness, and then Evil Dead 2. Well, we've already established that we both have differing opinions on which one's the best. It's Evil Dead 2. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. Speaking of facts, some general facts about Army of Darkness. This is the first film where Ash goes from being a survivor to being seen as a hero. The last studio film for Bruce Campbell, where he is the lead character. Army of Darkness is also considered a dark fantasy horror slash comedy. I would agree with that. So here's, you said in the previous episode, and I thought it was spot on, Evil Dead 2 was a horror movie with comedy aspects. Army of Darkness is a comedy with horror aspects. That, that is You said absolutely, that so well. That is absolutely spot on. It is spot on. Ted Raimi has several cameo roles, which by the way, if you don't remember, Ted Raimi is Sam Raimi's brother. He has several cameo roles in the movie. He is a cowardly warrior, a knight who shouts, you can count on my steel, another swordsman, and as an S-Mart employee. Hmm. Getting into the plot, the film begins where Evil Dead 2 left off. So the scene where the Oldsmobile crashes down from the sky, that had to be filmed twice. The first attempt, the crane failed for mechanical reasons and toppled over. In the second attempt, a heavier crane was used, and I think that time it was successful. I wonder if that's where some of their budget went, (laughs) the lost money went. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, that probably was. Yeah, because you know that's not cheap. And and just just to throw this out to everybody, it's been a long time since i've watched army of darkness so i don't remember a lot so i'm gonna need you to help me out here i I got you baby i got you after ashes before the group of knights he's initially idolized however he is soon captured and accused of being a spy his boomstick and his chainsaw are taken from him so where he was once a hero now all of a sudden he's seen as an enemy and all of his weapons are taken from him ash arrives to lord arthur's castle and thrown into a well maybe wondering who is lord arthur Lord Arthur ruled in 1300 AD. He is the ruler of Castle Kendar. Does this stick out to you? The word Kendar does. Kendarian demon. Yeah. Where they come up with that reference. I wonder if this is where it implies. Um, it might. There's a connection. It, it, it might. So Lord Arthur was at one point at war with Henry the Red until they united to battle against the Army of Darkness, a.k.a. Army of the Dead. The Deadites, The perhaps? Deadites. Arthur and Henry are both fictitious, by the way. They're not real. <laughs> They're completely made up. There was a lot of, actually, in... Does this take place in, like... Medieval times? Medieval England? I there was a lot of Arthurs, so... Yeah. I'm not saying it's based off one History? person, but there's probably a lot of people that actually existed that might match him. Yeah, I'm sure that Army of Darkness was heavily inspired by real-life history. While Ash is being pelted with rocks, fake ones were used, but as a prank, Sam Raimi actually threw potatoes at Bruce Campbell. <laughs> so I think maybe some of the scenes where he actually cries out, like, in pain, <laughs> that might be got- genuine. It's <laughs> <laughs> so mean. He threw a potato at him. <laughs> as Ash is in the well, he battles against a Deadite, wins, and comes out of the well alive. The Deadite was referred by the cast and crew in this scene as the Pit Bitch. <laughs> This Deadite, when I first saw this movie, I remember thinking, God, that Deadite looks creepy as fuck. Oh, Lord. The The Pit pit Bitch. bitch. (laughs) (laughs) After Ash defeats the Pit Bitch, the group of people then go back to idolizing him and they grow respect for him again. Here, Ash develops a new love interest in a woman named Sheila. Can can you, just hypothetically here, (laughs) 
these people are like, you know, this guy's a hero, but to really test him, to really know if he's a hero, let's throw him with the pit, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And he's Ash, so of course he's going to win. After Ash defeats the demon, in exchange, he asks for help returning back to his time, where he is informed that the only way he can return is to get to the Necronomicon. And this movie is called Necronomicon Ex Mortis. Why is that? I don't know. I noticed that the names for the Necronomicon change slightly in every film. Is it also canon that in the movies it's just a different Necronomicon? That could be it. Is that what it is? Because I remember reading something about whenever we get to the new one that, that the Necronomicon in that movie is different than think, the original. I think you might be right. I couldn't find anything to confirm that. Did you notice the one in these, like, it's like, you know, you know what the book looks like, but you, if you notice in the new one, they look different. it had spikes on it. Yeah. To, like, get that guy's blood. So, like, I think there might be different books. Might Maybe be. just a different different interpretation. Yeah, that could be it, too. Ash gathers a small group of knights and goes in search for the Necronomicon. He travels through a dark forest and is attacked by an unseen force. Sound familiar? At one point, Ash crashes through a mirror, and when he does this, many ashes start to reflect in the glass shards where they come to life to attack Ash. The many ashes group together to form a full-sized ash, where the real ash overpowers the evil ash, kills him, and buries him. Fun fact, which I know that you know this fact... During the formation of the evil Ash, he is seen in a full form with two heads. This scene is used in James Rolfe's Monster Madness in his intro. Remember Monster Madness in the opening oh. scene? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what that's from. Army of Darkness, yep. Oh. That, that scene, yep. Ash finds the Necronomicon but finds three books instead of one and has to figure out which one's the real one. While he does this, he attempts to recite the incantation that will safely help him remove the right book, but he can't remember the full saying and instead coughs over the last bit of the phrase. Did you care to do a reenactment? This is absolutely my favorite part of the movie, and I do remember this. He has to say the incantations, which is Klatu Barata Nikto, if anybody needed to know. And he gets there, and he goes, Klatu Barata Nikto. And then he gets back, and the guy's like, did you say it? He's like, yeah, I said it. He's like, but did you say it? Exactly. I mean, I didn't say, like, every syllable, but basically, yeah, I said it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when Ash does this, he causes evil Ash to come back to life, where evil Ash becomes the leader of the Army of Darkness. Here's another fun fact for you. Evil Ash, a.k.a. the leader of the Deadite Army, is played by Bill Mosley. Why does that sound familiar? Oh, it's Bill Mosley? Devil's Rejects. Oh, wow. That's Chop Top. Just to name two of the very extensive resume of films that Bill Mosley is in. But yeah, that's Bill Mosley. Didn't do that. That's cool, isn't it? That's pretty cool. When Ash returns to the castle, Sheila is abducted by a flying deadite. Ash bands together knights from Lord Arthur and Henry the Red to fight the deadites. After an awesome battle scene, after an awesome battle scene, Ash's army overpowers the Deadite One, which brings Sheila back to safety and unites Lord Arthur and Henry the Red. Fun fact, The March of the Dead was written by Danny Elfman, who is also, if y'all didn't know, the guy that did the Batman theme. And? I mean, that's what he's most famous for, is the Batman one. And? Being John uh, John Williams' bitch. (laughs) I'm just kidding. He's also, uh, Danny Elfman is actually also the composer of a lot of the music from Nightmare Before Christmas. And he is also, little known fact, um, in Nightmare Before Christmas, the person that plays Jack, what's his name? 
the one that just does the Chris speaking. Chris Sarandon. Role. Chris Sarandon. He's the one from um, what's that vampire movie? Fright Night. Fright Night. He's the guy that is the vampire in Fright Night. Little known fact: he couldn't sing very well. Mm-hmm. Danny Elfman is the voice of Singing Jack. I did know that. Yep. I love it though. I love Nightmare Before Christmas. At one point during a fight scene, just as he so infamously does, Bruce Campbell actually did get injured from a prop. He accidentally cut himself on the face with the pin on his cape. Poor Bruce, (laughs) he just gets hurt in these films over and over again. And if that's not dedication, I don't know what is. A lot of performers are dedicated to their craft. Like, for example, and and this is going to sound... kind of small pace compared to i'm not i'm not like dissing on uh bruce campbell because that is impressive nobody is the person is committed to their role like sylvester salone have you ever watched uh rambo no no rambo okay in the movie rambo he didn't do he didn't have a a stunt double he jumps out of a helicopter lands in a tree falls all the way through the tree and lands on a branch Damn. He really did that. That is some dedication. Wow. Whew. Some You're... people are like that. They they are dedicated to their craft. Jackie Chan does all of his stunts. That's really cool. I did not know any of that. Ash is given a potion to drink that will send him back to his time and is also instructed to say the incantation along with it. Klatu Barata. <laughs> Which is exactly what happens. He drinks the potion, but he forgets the last part of the incantation again. <laughs> In the next scene, Ash is back in his time working at a department store. He yet again finds another female interest and is telling her about his heroic adventures. Suddenly, a dead-eyed appears in the store where Ash shoots and kills it. As the movie ends, Ash proclaims, Hail the King, baby, and begins making out with the love interest as the camera pans away. What a legend. <laughs> That's Ash for you. The supermarket where Ash is working at is called Esmar, and apparently in real life it was supposedly a chain store in Mexico. Random, really? I know. <laughs> the ending scene in the supermarket is where Ash vs. Evil Dead begins. However, we won't be discussing the TV series. I personally felt that it was very action-y. It was ultimately canceled after three seasons as well. So, there are some Deadite fans out there who love Ash vs. Evil Dead, and I can definitely get it. But I personally just didn't get into Side it. Side note to anybody that doesn't know this, Hannah is not a fan of action movies. I just can't get into straight-up action. It's fine if some movies have action elements to them, but straight-up action, I just can't do. To me, it's just boring. <laughs> there was an alternative ending where Ash is supposed to drink six drops of the potion, but instead drinks seven, and is taken to a time in the future where human civilization is destroyed. This version was ultimately not used because it was considered too dark and depressing. Yeah. What? <laughs> I believe it was Universal who made them change this what? ending. So instead we got Wait, the- hold on. Back up. You just hit me with two things like right out of the, right off the bat. Number one, how is that too dark when have they watched the other movies? Exactly. What about the tree rape? That's the not dark rape, and depressing. The pencil, the throwing up, like what are you talking about? And number two, yeah. Evil Dead done by Universal? Um, no, but I think as I was doing research, I read something that tied into somehow Universal got involved at some point. And Which I, means they probably have some legal rights to that franchise. I think then. that's what it is. Do you know what that means? Halloween Horror Nights. Halloween Horror Nights can have an evil... Oh. Not confirmed. But if they have something to do, they might be able to get the oh, rights to I'd be to buying it. tickets to fly down there for even a night if I had oh, to. Oh, <laughs> would we go? Oh, hell yeah, we'd for go. For Evil Dead? 
Me and Taylor have discussed, since Florida is several hours away from here, but Halloween Horror Nights is the best thing to do for a horror fan and Halloween fan, in my personal opinion. We've both talked about what would qualify us to decide to get together some money and fly down there for like a week, a short weekend, just to do HHN. And we have a list of criteria that would have to be included in the houses for us to do that. And Evil Dead is definitely in it. That's any Evil Dead film. Well, not the remake. (laughs) 2013, no. You're hating on that film. It's not good. Like, I don't like it. I didn't like it. Well, we'll get into Evil Dead 2013 when we come back from the break. But before then, yes, that was Army of Darkness in a nutshell. Personally, I like Army of Darkness. I like it. It's not my favorite, of course, but it's funny, and I love the horror elements to it, and it's just a goofy movie. I think the movie, like, kind of, like, represents, like, I don't know, a, just a different time in horror movies. It's, like, I think it represents more than actually ha- how good the movie actually was. Like, it's a good movie. It's not the best, mm-hmm. but it's good. Yeah. But a lot of people seem to like it. Yeah. But overall, I think it gets the weird side thumbs up. Okay, I'd give it a thumbs up. Well, before we jump into Evil Dead 2013 and Evil Dead Rise, we'll go ahead and take our local business shout-out break, and we will be back shortly. Take a walk the do you enjoy supporting local businesses? I know I do. Well, I do too. And we hope you guys answered yes as well. Because we have a few local businesses that we want to give a shout out to for you guys to check out. Our first our first local business that we want to give a shout out to is Sugar and Flower, located in Parisburg, Virginia, right in downtown. Sugar and Flower is a local coffee shop and they have all kinds of sweets and treats there. Taylor and I actually went there this morning to get a cold brew and a breakfast sandwich before we started the show. Damn right. I got an egg McMuffin kind of thing. Not an egg McMuffin. No, that's McDonald's. An egg muffin. <laughs> and I got a egg, cheese, and ham Gouda croissant. Oh, it was very good. Tell me about your coffee. For my drink, I got a S'mores Cold Brew Deluxe. It is delicious, but they're getting ready to go out of the season soon because summer is almost over. And fall season is starting to come. And I'm so excited. But... That is delicious. That she has, she's gonna have a flavor that you like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Of course, you. Everybody knows my favorite, salted caramel deluxe. Mm. Ooh, so good. Oh, it's so good. Be sure to check them out, guys. You will not be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Our next local business we want to give a shout out to is Twist and Shake, located in the Christiansburg Mall. Twist and Shake is. Twist. <laughs> They have milkshakes, but they also have soft pretzels. And Taylor and I freaking love soft pretzels. Their pretzels taste like homemade pretzels, and they are so thick and so good. (laughs) (laughs) T-H-I-C-T. Their milkshakes are also pretty decent. Actually, I want to go there soon so I can try their espresso milkshake. Absolutely. Yes. Be sure to give them a check out too. Form your own opinions. If I'm being 100% honest, I hear mixed reviews about Twist and Shake, but we personally like Twist and Shake. I like it. Check them out and determine if you like them for yourself. Absolutely. Our next business we want to give a shout out to is... Well, uh, Hannah, can I ask you a question? Of course. Do you ever look back on your memories and go, man, I really miss this from my childhood? Yes. Well, mine was video games. 
And I know a lot of people out there that love old video games, but the hard part is finding some at an affordable price and finding specifically the game that you want. No need to fear. Game Station. Super Game Station is here. (laughs) (laughs) They are a local business in Radford, Virginia. They're located pretty close to Black Diamond Tattoos and Radford University campus. They have a website at www.supergamestation.com. They also have an email, supergameboy at yahoo.com. You can also call them if you have any questions at 540-385-3249. They have anything you want. Switch games, Atari games, PlayStation 2. Shit, they even got Jaguar games. Anything that you want, they got it. I'm looking at Donkey Kong Country in the box as we speak. Give them a shout out. Tell them Taylor sent you. They probably don't know who I am yet. I just like them and I like talking about them. We'll be sure to post the links to the websites for all those local businesses so you can check them out. And without further ado, we'll get back to the show. Well, welcome back, weirdos. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you enjoyed listening to our local businesses that we wanted to give a shout out to. Did you enjoy your break? Your lunch? I'm glad you did. Come in. Sit down. Get some help. Get some help. (laughs) Well, jumping back into the show, we're going to be picking up on Evil Dead 2013. Taylor obviously does not like this movie, but I actually thought it was not bad. It was decent. Speak for yourself. As Bubble says, it was decent. Well, maybe not that level of decent, but it it was decent. The director of Evil Dead 2013 was Fide Alvarez. Never heard of him. Me either. And I think that's primarily because this was his debut film. Hopefully I said his name right. So even though he was the director of it, Sam Raimi was also a producer. The release date for Evil Dead 2013 was April 5th, 2013. It had a budget of $17 million, and you're going to shit a brick when you hear this. Okay. In the United States and Canada, it grossed $54,239,856 worldwide. $97,542,952 compared to a budget of $17 million. That's a good profit. That's a good profit. What is that, four or five times? Yeah. That that right there, even though I don't like it, is a successful movie. I think it is. Right. The numbers don't lie. Mm -hmm. Evil Dead was filmed in Auckland, New Zealand. I didn't know that at first. New Zealand, man. They just film everywhere there. Yeah. Body count in this movie is six, including the father and daughter in the beginning, and one dog. Mm. I know. IMDb rates it as 6.5 out of 10. So this one has about an average rating. Yeah. So far out of all the films we've discussed in Evil Dead series, this one has the lowest score of the ones we've discussed so far. I also feel like it's the one that nobody talks about. Yeah, not a lot of people do talk about it, and... I think you're right. I think overall people, most people don't really care for it, but I really didn't think it was that bad. I just think it's bleh. Like, I've seen too many, like, bad movies to say that it's a bad movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's not memorable. I think that's fair. Like, it's not bad, but it's not memorable. You know I think that's you, fair. Like, I like to compare it to... Planet of the Apes when it was remade in the early 2000s. 
I think this was a film at the time people were so hyped for it because it had been, what, 20 years since we had an Evil Dead movie? Mm-hmm. But then after it came out, that hype died down. It's just like Planet of the Apes in the 2000s. Like, it was hype when it came out, and then it came out, and no one has given a shit since. <laughs> a lot of people don't even know there was a remake of Planet of the Apes in the 2000s. No, I didn't know, but I never really watched those movies. So. I'm just saying in general. But. Yeah. Some general facts about this film. Reportedly, Diablo Cody worked on the script to help with some of the dialogue, because the writers originally did not speak English. <laughs> Diablo Cody was also known for writing Jennifer's Body. That was her movie. That's a good movie. And it has some memorable dialogue, Jennifer's Body does. Oh, it does, absolutely. Yeah, but she apparently helped with some of the the script and dialogue in this movie. The quote on the cover of the film says, quote, the most terrifying film you will ever experience. Nope. This is definitely overhyped. Nope. You ever notice the films that always advertise them being horrifying are not really that scary and the films that don't say that are the ones that are the scariest ones that might be a callback to when older horror movies i mean older horror movies just did that they were like are you ready this summer like the 50s and 60s like the 50s and 60s they would uh advertise their movies to be this way some even looking back at them now some would even say nurses are outside on standby like they would hype people up yeah like they would be like coming to a theater near you the most terrifying movie in the cinema has ever seen the werewolf versus the vampire woman yes that's a real movie and yes that's the real advertising (laughs) (laughs) the director supposedly went with practical effects for the film's visuals although he did have a background in cgi he went with practical effects and he's already got my respect right there for that i will say one good thing about the movie is the practical effects are very well done and this was 2013, so CG was definitely starting to get on the rise at this time. Yeah, but it hadn't been perfected yet. That's true. You know what I mean? Because CGI kind of came out in the 90s, mm-hmm. late late 90s, early 2000s-ish. Mm-hmm. And it was really bad then. And I feel like nowadays, we're finally getting to the point where CGI has like gotten to the point where it's actually not that bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We talked about that in our last episode, yeah. too. The film was shot in chronological order, and this was so that the blood used would not ruin any shots. And the movie gets gorier as it progresses. I thought this was a smart move. I do remember this movie being very gory. Speaking of, 70,000 gallons of fake blood were used in this movie, compared to the original, which only had 300 gallons. (laughs) That's crazy. 70,000? That's a fucking semi. (laughs) I, I know, that's what I'm saying. And, like, it's crazy to think about because the first film... I thought it was gory enough. I mean, it wasn't like Do you think overly gory, but it, it was gory. Is it because of the scene where it rains blood? Do you think that's what it I was? I think that's part of it. Does it rain blood? I feel like it did. It does at the end. Okay. That's probably what it, most of it was used for. So getting into the plot, the film begins with a frantic girl running through the woods. She's captured, and when she wakes up, she's tied to a post with her father in front of her. She's confused as to why she's being held captive by her father when her father begins to explain to her that she killed her mom. The girl then transforms into a deadite and is burned alive. I do remember this scene. Now, even though I just bragged on Fide Alvarez for using practical, to me, the deadites in this film look more like CGI zombies, in my opinion. Like, including I mean, they kind of are, scene. but then they kind of aren't. I think maybe he is the practical effects for like other like props and other scenes in the movie, but as far as the deadites themselves, to me, they look very CG. I can't speak because I can't remember. 
Like, not that they're bad looking, but... You just... You're biased. You, ha- you hate am. CGI, so, like... I am. What might be good to you... Like, because you think Lion King the remake is bad. That's good CGI. Like, that's amazing. Jurassic Park is good CGI, too. Mm-hmm. The foul language, which I guess we can thank Diablo Cody for, used in this film has a comedic quality to it. And we can see that particularly in this scene. And I can't take it too seriously. Again, I know I'm probably biased because I've said this before or made mention of it. If the dialogue starts getting too funny, like, it it takes away from the scare. And then you can't take it seriously enough. (laughs) Like, I can't even remember exactly what this girl says in this opening scene, but she has a couple funny lines and she's cussing and it's just like, you can't help but to scoff at it. like. But at this point, you just have to admit that Evil Dead is a comedic and it is. scary franchise. It's like, book. that's what it is. That's what makes it good. So it's acceptable. So if case. it didn't have these comedic, comedic aspects to it, would it really be Evil Dead? No, it wouldn't. My point. In the next scene, we see a group of friends who gather at a cabin in the woods. The group's purpose is to be there for Mia, our main character, who is coming off of drugs. The group is there to support her during detox. Does it say what kind of drugs? Heroin. (laughs) Oh, wow. Mia's brother, David, is also included in her group of support, and through dialogue, we discover that they have a somewhat strained relationship. David even gives Mia a necklace, just like how Ash gave Linda a necklace in the original, so that's a homage to the original film. Mia is also wearing a Michigan State sweatshirt, which is also in respects to the original film with Linda's character. Another homage to the original Evil Dead. As Mia experiences withdrawal symptoms, she breaks down and begs to leave, just like Cheryl begs to leave in the first film. Another homage to the original. However, her group of friends stand firm in getting her through detox. While Mia is experiencing her symptoms, her brother goes into the cellar and discovers the scene where the girl from the beginning of the movie was burned. He finds the Book of the Dead, which is referred to in this movie as the Naturam de Manto. That's stupid. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest with you. It's the Necronomicon. Everybody knows this. You'll always hear me refer to it as the Necronomicon. That's what it is. It is. Why do people got to do that? I don't know. And this is just in general. Why do people like want to change things? It's it's fine the way it is. Don't touch it. Right. During one scene where Mia is outside walking around in circles in the rain, one of the friends named Eric reads aloud the incantations from the book. I like how this scene is done because the book is different in this movie, like we were just discussing earlier. It is at first wrapped in a trash bag and then covered with barbed wire. The drawings in this book appear more brutal and gory than the original movie, and when David reads the incantations, he has to stencil over the pages with another piece of paper. And I I just, I always remember the visuals from this scene always stuck out to me, and I thought it was a very well done scene. Mm -hmm. And you could see as he's like stenciling over and figuring out what each word means, he's like, Kunda. Mia grabs the keys to the car when no one is looking and she takes off. She ends up crashing, landing in a swamp, and passes out. When she wakes up, she gets herself out of the car and is grabbed by the trees. A deadite who is pale but resembles Mia suddenly appears in front of her, throws up a long, thorny vine, and it enters inside of Mia via vaginal canal. Here we are with the tree rape again. What what is up with vaginal shit in this movie? Another homage to the original. Back at the cabin, Mia is slowly becoming possessed, just like Cheryl in the first film. She ends up hoarding herself in the bathroom and scalds herself with hot water. Her brother breaks in to rescue her. 
Mia is taken to her bedroom, and later David goes to check on her. When he does, Mia looks terrified and tells him that there is something in the woods. She begs him to take them away, but David ultimately tells her that he isn't buying into her manipulation anymore and that she's going to have to tough out her detox. This scene, oh, this scene also stood out to me too because I think the actress's performance here is very good because she truly looks petrified. Like her eyes are wide and she is trembling and shaking. Like just the acting is so well done. And she's like, Like it's can't remember. Oh, it's it's very well done. Later, Mia injures her brother with a shotgun as she becomes more and more possessed. She also throws up blood onto her friend Lily. David throws her in the basement where she is then full-fledged deadite. And again, this is just like with Cheryl from the original. At one point, there is audio from the original film used as Mia becomes more possessed. The audio is the dialogue from the possessed Cheryl when she says, One by one, we will take you. And you can... You can hear it when you go back and watch the scene. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Don't change what's already perfect. Do I need to say yet again another homage to the original? Lily, the nurse friend, soon becomes possessed and as she quickly goes into the bathroom to obtain a sedative ejection. The camera pans on urine running down her leg. That scene always stood out to me too because I'm like, damn, this girl is so petrified she pissed on herself. <laughs> she pissed. She was wearing gray high tops and I'm like, damn, she just ruined them fucking high tops. <laughs> Eric comes to check on Lily and finds her mutilating her face with a shard of glass. She then attacks Eric and narrowly misses, inserting a needle into his eyeball. Eric overpowers her and kills her by bashing her head in with the lid off the back of a toilet. (laughs) Simultaneously, Mia lures David's girlfriend, Natalie, into the cellar and bites her hand. David rescues Natalie. Can we we just stop for a second? (laughs) Death by toilet. (laughs) (laughs) She had such a good life. Flush. (laughs) (laughs) Eric escapes from the bathroom and goes back to the living room. He frantically explains to David that from what he read and translated in the Book of the Dead, the evil force has to take five souls. He further explains that the only way to save Mia is to, quote, purify her by either A, burying her alive, B, dismembering her, or C, burning her. Is this the movie that when Mia's in the basement and she's sticking out of the that basement cellar door and she's looking at everybody going... They're gonna get you. That's the original. I remember vaguely her doing that too. All I remember her is again with the cheesy dialogue. Something about swallow your cut, you filthy little. Or saying I something. swallow your soul. I swallow your soul. Well, that's swallow the this. second one. No, just Mia saying something cheesy like, I swallow your soul, you little cunt. Or something like that. Hmm. Like, you just can't take it seriously. I could have swore. Maybe. I know what I'm thinking of. In the original, when nope. she's sitting on the nope. stairs. Nope, nope. I know what I'm thinking of. What? Scary Movie 5. (laughs) Where they make fun of this movie and they go out into the woods and the the two girls are in the basement reading the incantations. Klaatu, Barata, Nikto. And the kids upstairs are literally mutilating each other and then they let go. Adunda. And then it just stops. And they leave after saying Klaatu, Barata, Nikto and they're stuck that way. And that parody Mia is in the basement and she's going we're gonna get you and then somebody steps on the door and it slams on her tongue is it weird that I like that movie more than this one (laughs) I guess not considering you're not a fan of this one Natalie soon becomes possessed and ultimately saws off her own hand slash arm with an electric knife she saws it kind of like forearm down this was also a tribute to Ash when he had to cut off his hand in the second film David and Eric have to kill her together, but not before Possessed Natalie grabs a nail gun and she shoots several nails into Eric. 
and the shots in this scene are actually really good. They're cringeworthy. No, not Eric. <laughs> yeah, she does shoot several nails into him, and the scene was well done, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. he screams in agony, and the camera zooms in on it. You can see it. It looks practical, too. Do you think if you got shot with a nail gun, like, you'd be in so much shock? Do you think you'd even feel it? <laughs> That's a great question, and I hope to never find out. <laughs> you know? David begins to pour gasoline onto the cabin to burn it, but instead buries Mia after having to sedate her. As she fights against David and Eric, Eric is stabbed. After David buries Mia, he's overcome with emotion when her heartbeat stops, and he digs her back up. He eventually revives her, and when he goes to get the keys to the car, Eric who is now possessed, stabs David. David locks Mia out of the cabin with him inside and sets fire to the cabin. So essentially, he sacrifices himself. Since what David, a good bro. Yes. What a good brother. Since David is considered the fifth victim, what's described as the, quote, abomination begins to happen. This is that scene you're talking about. The sky begins to rain blood, and the dead-eyed Mia returns and attempts to repossess Mia. Mia ultimately kills the Deadite by chainsawing it in half, but not before she gets the vehicle pushed off onto her, capturing her wrist and pinning her down. As the Deadite crawls over to Mia, Mia ultimately pushes herself away from the vehicle and in the process dismembers her hand. She literally pulls her, her hand off. Not realistic, but you know what? It may not be realistic. It doesn't have to be. This is another Ash reference, too. I remember that scene making me cringe. I do remember that. Mm. It obviously looked like rubber, but it still made me <laughs> cringe. Ultimately, Mia does overpower her doppelganger slash deadite Mia. And the scene pretty much ends with her walking away a little bit catatonic. And the movie ends pretty much at that point. So it's, it's a pretty good remake as far as sticking to the original in a lot of ways. It's like eating a rice cake. Yeah, it's healthy, but it's really bland. I love rice pudding. I said rice cake. Oh, sorry. An unflavored rice cake? Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, you're eating healthy, but is it really that worth it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Originally, there were plans to make a sequel to Army of Darkness that had Ash and Mia working together to battle the Deadites, but instead the TV series Ash vs. Evil Dead was made. Also, a fun fact from this movie, the characters David, Eric, Mia, Olivia, Natalie, what does that spell? Mm-hmm. Demon. Holy shit. Yep. So that was intentionally done as well. That's basically Evil Dead, the remake of 2013. Meh. I give it... I may get some hate, but I give it a thumbs up. I know Taylor gives it a, thumb to, a thumbs down. So I guess that would give it an official weird time waiting of neutral. It's not that I give it a thumbs down. So you give it a thumbs up? No, absolutely <laughs> It has to be, like, worth me watching. I've seen too many bad movies to give it a thumbs down. Mm-hmm. It's just too bland. It's just there. You know what I mean? I'd give it in the middle. Like, it's not, it's neither. I think I read something about, I consider this movie a remake. It is. But I think, actually, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell said it was a sequel. Which, that, I respectfully am going to have to disagree with them. I know that they're the ones who created it. <laughs> Technically, you could say that after, you know, Ash went through the time portal in Evil Dead 2 and went into the future, nobody really went to go get the book. So you could say that somebody could have stumbled across it again. It's the same cabin and it's just happening to different people. You could make that argument. Mm -hmm. You could. But 
I guess it gets the overall weird side neutral. Our next one, though, Evil Dead Rise, is the most recent one. In this the- movie was way better. Oh, I really liked this one. This one is Evil Dead Rise. The director of Evil Dead Rise was Lee Cronin, who I have never heard of before. The release date for Evil Dead Rise is April 21st, 2023. I remember the hype behind this movie. Because I remember me, you, and Evan were like, dude, we want to go we see were, Evil we Dead. We were seeing the trailers that everywhere in the trailers, it was the best. <laughs> it was everywhere. It was that girl. It was two things. It was the scene where the girl is looking through the peephole and her mom is like on the other side and she looks Fucked up. She looks creepy. And she's standing there just smiling. And she goes, Mommy, you don't look so good. And she goes, Not nothing a big kiss from you won't fix. It's really creepy. Open the door. <laughs> it's so creepy. And then that one where uh, she crawls out of the, t- the tub. And we just thought, me and Evan thought it was funny. Like, it is creepy. But it was just kind of like a funny delivery. When she crawls out of the tub. And her fingernails are like... She like lifts her head up, and the girl goes, "Mommy," and she goes, "Mommy's with the maggots now." Oh my gosh! And then just say that so much, and it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's came, creepy, but it's funny. It is. I came this close. I saw a shirt on Facebook one day that said, "Mommy's with the maggots now." I was this close to buying it for Evan. Oh, I would have loved to have that shirt. That's that's just Evil Dead. It's creepy and it's funny, funny at the same time. That's fair. That's fair. The budget for Evil Dead Rise was $12 million, and it ended up, oh, holy crap. Okay, budget $12 million. It grossed in the United States and Canada $67,233,054. Gross worldwide, $146,533,054. That is a, like. It deserves it. That's it was a good over movie. 10 times. It was a good movie. That's over 10 times. It had some flaws, profit. but it was a good movie. It was a good movie. This film was also filmed in Auckland, New Zealand. People just film movies in New Zealand. It's beautiful over New Zealand. I can understand. Body count in this one is 9, from what I counted. Evil Dead Rise has an IMDb rating of 6.7 out of 10. What? I know. I personally think it deserves a higher score than that. People are so full of crap. (laughs) Yeah. Some general facts about Evil Dead Rise. 1,720 gallons of fake blood was used in this film. Which that is less than Evil Dead 2013. Hmm. This film was also shot in chronological order, just like Evil Dead 2013. Supposedly, all the character names in the film were named after actors that were in previous Evil Dead films. Maybe the, some of the Ash vs. Evil Dead series as well. This Evil Dead film is reportedly the only film in the series that doesn't have the Oldsmobile. Hmm. So jumping into the plot, two friends are on a pier. One enjoying the water and one playing with the drone. Teresa, one of the friends, goes to check on Jessica, who is feeling ill and returns to the pier calling for help. We see that she is scalped. Jessica, completely possessed, follows Teresa and decapitates Caleb after she falls into the lake and lures him in after her. After Caleb is decapitated, Teresa floats out of the water and hovers over it when the opening title of the film appears on screen. And this is where I have a problem. What was that? With the movie. And this is just the only thing. When the deadites are just like normal deadites and they're not possessing anyone and they're in their demon form, they can walk around during the day. But whenever they do possess people, if you go by all of the movies, they do not walk around during the daytime. 
Army of Darkness. I said when they're possessing people, not when they're in their demon forms. Um, when they're possessing people during the day, it goes away. Evil Dead 2. Ash gets possessed right before daybreak hits. And that's why. And he looks at the sun and it just melts away. And all of the deadites go away during the day. And then when nighttime comes, they come back. And they've established this. And this movie just fucking throws that out the window. <laughs> I guess, that, yeah, I guess they disregarded that rule. But still, overall, it's a pretty pretty intense opening scene. Yeah, it was good. The day before this set of events occurs, a girl named Beth is seen hoarded in the bathroom taking a pregnancy test. We don't see the results, but we all know it's positive. We can also see that Beth is a guitar technician and has been following a band around. Some might call her a groupie. In the next scene, we are taken to a big, older apartment building, and we later discover that the building used to be a bank. We are introduced to a new set of characters, Ellie, the mom, who is also a tattoo artist, Danny, the older brother, who enjoys to DJ, (laughs) Bridget, the middle sister, who seems passionate about current events, and Cassie, the youngest sister, who enjoys art with dolls. We see Beth get out of a taxi or Uber and enter the apartment building, where she comes to visit Ellie and the kids. Beth is Ellie's older sister. Now, Ellie, the mom, is played by actress Alyssa Sutherland. At first, I thought she might have been related to, like, Donald and Kiefer Sutherland, but I don't think she is. But Alyssa Sutherland is an Aussie. An Aussie. Yeah. Wow. So another actress that I like who's from Australia. My Mm. favorite is Toni Collett, though. Alyssa Sutherland supposedly based her performance off Jim Carrey in The Mask. (laughs) And you can think about it now. And That's kind of funny. I can kind of see it a little bit. <laughs> Hold me closer, Ed. It's getting dark. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie's arms, the character, are covered in vine tattoos. This was done in honor of the original Evil Dead and the remake, wherein Cheryl and Mia were raped by the trees. Why are we bringing that up? <laughs> well, let's be honest. Even though it's intense, tree rape is just a part of Evil Dead. Like, you know what? You're you're right. Even though it's pretty awful. That is awful. It's just part of Evil Dead. When Beth arrives shortly later, Ellie sends the kids to go get a pizza where she and Beth catch up with one another. Ellie can tell that something is wrong with Beth and that Beth has come to her for help. Side note, the name of the pizza place is called Henrietta's. <laughs> and that is Now that is a reference to what? Evil, Evil Dead, Dead 2. 2. Come to sweet Henrietta. <laughs> I buried her in the basement. So help me God. Help me. <laughs> As the kids return with the pizza, there is a massive earthquake where some of the parking garage floor opens and reveals a secret passageway. Okay, first of all, this, this Hell is... No. First of all, <laughs> this fucking kid, the older brother, there's a Damn. scene. There's a scene from whatever when everything starts happening. He's like, I think this is my fault. And my no first shit. thought when he said that is no fucking shit. I think you actually said that. In I did the say that. I was like, this is the worst character in the entire movie. <laughs> you did He's, say that. In the he literally like who who when an earthquake splits a building open goes. I'm gonna crawl through those cracks. <laughs> Finds a book and goes. And how did the book... Well, side note, Danny, okay, jumping ahead a little Sorry. bit. Sorry. So once the secret passageway is revealed, Danny goes to investigate it, where he discovers an old phonograph record... Or, sorry. Mm-hmm. Old phonograph records from the 1920s in an old book named The Naturam de Monto, a.k.a. The Necronomicon. 
Now, it's said that Danny takes these items because he feels like he can sell them and help the family bring some money in. However, it seems to bullshit. me, yeah, it seems like bullshit. he just takes it out of pure curiosity. I think he takes it because he's shit. He was just curious and just wanted to. Curiosity literally and figuratively kill killed the cat. The cat. <laughs> Back upstairs, Danny plays the phonograph record, which recites the incantations. This scene is my favorite scene in the whole movie. Also, one other thing that they do different that I mentioned earlier is all the other books, you would just open them and the pages were written in blood. And this one, to even open the book, you had to put blood on the book Mm -hmm. to even do it. And there are sharp parts on this book for some reason. Mm -hmm. And his finger gets cut and his blood drops on it. Mm -hmm. And that's what starts it. Yeah. A.K.A. it's his fault. (laughs) It is his fault. But the phonograph record sounds so eerie and creepy. And it gives it an ancient or old type kind of vibe. The bass from the speakers also helps to add that creepy vibe. Like, I just freaking love. And we all know that I hype up scores. But in the theater especially, surrounded by that, what's it, 40? We were doing RPM for this movie. Not RPM. Uh, What is it? Not 40. RPM. Maybe it is. Yeah, we were doing that one. I mean, like, you can see on the screen where he plays it over his sound system, the bass from the speakers is thumping. Oh, you can feel no. it in your ass in the seat. Oh, no. Oh, God. It creeps me out so bad. Rejected by the elders of our church, myself. Canon Damien Shanahan and Father Hugo Cortez have been working in secret to translate the Book of the Dead's myriad writings and glyphs. Its pages contain ancient rituals and incantations, the recitation of which proclaim to allow contact with supernatural forces that exist beyond the thin veneer of our known world. It is January 24th in the year of our Lord, 1923. And I, Father Marcus Littleton, shall now commence reading aloud the first of the spiritual resurrection passages. Kanda. insert a little excerpt so you can hear it creeped me the fuck out and i think this is the best scene hands out of the whole movie that's just me though so as the incantation is being read over the speakers ellie is simultaneously traveling down the elevator to the basement to do some laundry we see the evil force travel down the streets outside again at those somewhat odd angles flying towards the building it enters the apartment building and enters the elevator shaft where ellie is Her possession is done with wires from the elevator, and she is not raped by the wires. Thank God. There is, however, a moment where the evil force rips out one of her earrings, and that part made me jump. You know what I do like about this movie? What? That they updated it, but kept it the same. So, in the other movies, it was a cabin in the woods. It was isolated. Okay? 
And I thought, well, how are they going to do it in this movie? And it's, a, it's an apartment building. Because of the earthquakes, they are separated from the outside because of the earthquakes. So it's not a cabin in the woods, but it is, like, updated for modern, but they are still isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I remember that was one of the things I was nervous about when, before we even saw this movie. I was like, this is the first film where they're not in the woods. I was like, is, or is that going to fuck up the movie? And it didn't. I didn't think it did. It I didn't. think it was. I think it was okay. I, they kept it the same, but just switched it up a little bit. Yeah. The same plot, getting stuck, nowhere to go. You have to face the deadites. Just updated, because let's be honest, not a lot of people live in cabins now. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. When Ellie returns to the apartment, finally, she is a bit catatonic. The family can soon tell that something is wrong with her. There's a scene where Ellie is burning up with fever, so the family dumps her into a cold bathtub. We can hear the water hiss. Then Ellie rises out of the bathtub, and backward spider walks stances in the ceiling of the bathroom, roaring at her family loudly. <laughs> she then begins to threaten and attempt to harm the children. After passing out at one point, Ellie is placed onto her bed and ultimately dies. But one of these scenes in the bathtub... That, that's the scene. <laughs> Mom, it's like the maggots now. <laughs> so funny. I like the scene where she's laying there, and she's like obviously like dead. But then, like, they're still kind of around her, and her eyes, eyes fly open. are, like, moving. Yeah. But she's dead. It's and so that weird. fly lands, on her, lands on her eye and just, like, crawling around, and she's, like, not blinking. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's that's creepy. Cool. Also, during these scenes, Ellie attacks Bridget by stabbing her with a tattoo gun. Yep. That one also made you curl in the back of your seat, too. Yep. Very well done. But she does end up stabbing Bridget with a tattoo gun. Yep. When Ellie dies, Beth gets the neighbors to help with getting outside help and handling Ellie's body. They say a short prayer over her, and Ellie's eyes fly open. Later, she ultimately wakes up and is fully possessed. She again attempts to harm her children and is locked out of the apartment. And this is also where Taylor was talking earlier. The dialogue that cracks me up, besides nothing, a big old hug can't fix, is when she's on there, she's like, open up now. (laughs) (laughs) Open up now. (laughs) so funny, but creepy. That's creepy as fuck. While trying to keep Ellie away from them, Danny confides in Bridget that he believes that he is responsible for the events happening. <gasps> no, no shit. Really? Really? <laughs> Afterwards, Cassie is attacked through the door and Beth and Danny go to help her. While they're away, Bridget becomes possessed. That's the middle sister, right? Yeah. She was my favorite deadite. Yeah, she was. She was cool because like she comes in and she goes to talk to her and she like turns around and you can see it and she's literally like chewing on glass and it's Jumping like poking ahead. out. Jumping ahead. And she just smiles. Jumping ahead. Yep. But it, I, I was getting ready to get to that. Oh my bad. <laughs> so Danny is fighting Bridget off. He ends up impaling her through the roof of her mouth with a broken broom handle. After she's stunned, they also lie her on the bed and tie her down. Yep. Meanwhile, Beth attempts to listen to the third phonogram record. To determine how to stop the possessions. While she's listening, we see Ellie enter the apartment through the air ducts. This is also a creepy shot. Yep. She's got the headphones on. And you can see in the background, like, that thing open and, like, the mom, like, crawl out. Yeah. That was cool. Bridget wakes up fully possessed and is found in the kitchen by Danny while she's chewing and swallowing bits of glass. Yeah, this part definitely stands out because it just makes you cringe. Yeah, that was cringy. I thought she was cool. Because you can hear the crunch. You can see the glass penetrating through her throat. Denny ends up setting Bridget on fire, but not before she stabs him with a knife. Yep. 
Ellie comes after Beth and acknowledges that Beth is pregnant. She excitedly says that now she has two souls to devour and attempts to rip the fetus out of Beth. However, Cassie slides Beth a pair of sharp scissors and Beth is able to stab Ellie through the nose, which stuns Ellie again. This is also pretty pretty intense. It is pretty rough. Cringe. Yeah. Just cringe. Cassie and Beth flee the apartment, go past the dead corpses of their neighbors, and seek refuge in the elevator. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. That was another. I think it was funny. Like, it was fucked up, but it was funny. Mm -hmm. Cassie is, like, looking out the peephole, Mm -hmm. looking at her mom, and her mom is fucking up these neighbors. And it's just kind of, like, silly, but it's also fucked up if you really think about it. Because, like, you'll see somebody, like, run by, and then her mom will, like, look at the thing and then, like, run after them. And then you just hear these screams. And all you can think is, well, damn, he did. Yeah, like, oh, he's dead. He's dead. So they travel out of the apartment, try to get help, and then they pass these corpses. uh, Yeah, they were passing the corpses, and then the corpses start coming alive. And, yes, because one of the neighbors is like, that's my shotgun, you bitch, or something (laughs) like that. But also, while the neighbors are possessed and coming after them, Danny becomes possessed as well, and then he joins Dead-Eyed Bridget and Dead-Eyed Ellie. And they soon form together to become some sort of Dead-Eyed Blob. It's very is weird. this also like the abomination from the other one? I think it is. I think it is. I'm gonna be honest with you. This movie is everything the remake should have been. Yeah, this it is pretty like. I also do like that they actually hold. They kind of like they don't show what they look like fused together immediately. They kind of like keep it in the shadows for a little bit, and like they're like you hear it moving, and you can kind of like see it moving, but you really don't see them. And then when the reveal happens, it's like, wow. Yeah. When they're like blobbed together. Right. And we don't really get a good look at this quite well until Beth and Cassie get in the elevator. It shuts and it takes them to take them down. Beth and Cassie get in the elevator. It shuts to take them downstairs. But as Beth and Cassie take refuge in the elevator, it begins to fill up with blood. The weight of it causes the elevator to fall down. And this is another scene where you're, like, kind of holding your... I don't know about you, but I was kind of holding my breath, too. I wasn't. But by the time the elevator opens, when they reach downstairs, they're completely submerged with blood. I mean, it just pours out of the elevator. Just another scene. That's probably where all the blood went to, (laughs) is that one scene. Exactly. It kind of reminds me of the scene in The Shining a little bit. Yeah. Beth and Cassie escape into the parking garage and barely make it through the gate. However, the dead-eyed blob of Ellie, Bridget, and Danny catch hold of Cassie and drag her back into the garage. Beth goes back to rescue Cassie and kills the dead-eyed blob by impaling it through the wood chipper. And then Beth and Cassie escape after that. Mm-hmm. I kind of briefly summed up that scene pretty quick, but that whole scene takes a span of like 10 minutes or so. Minutes. It, it's minutes. it's the climax of the movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. And a lot of that is like them like hiding from the blob because yes. they hear it. So that's what most of it is. Yeah. And when they get trapped in that parking garage, I don't know about you, but my adrenaline was like, ramped up Mm -hmm. i was like oh shit and i liked how they tied it at the very end like once like it's a happy ending they escaped you know the spirits are still there and then you see the girl from the beginning yep like hey i'm on my way so yeah the next morning we see the girl come from the very beginning exit to her apartment enter the parking garage she's headed to the lake for a vacation which is the same stuff we see in the beginning of the film and she is attacked by an unseen force and that explains the possession from the opening scene of the film and that is Evil Dead Rise. Thumbs Overall, up for me. I like that movie. I, I give it like an 8 out of 10. I thought it was great. I thought it was really it good. It did have some things. 
Definitely the oldest son I was not a fan of. Like, I just, I didn't like him. Yeah, he was a little I think he deserved everything he had coming, but, you know. Overall, it was a really good movie. And I actually, I remember, I remember messaging, and I'm like, can I buy Evil Dead Rise on Voodoo? But we ended up watching it on HBO Max. But whenever it comes off HBO Max, I would love to buy it on Voodoo. It was a good movie. It was really good. Gets the official weird side. Thumbs up. Evil thumbs Dead up. Rise. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed hearing about the rest of the Evil Dead films. All you Dead Eye fans, if you're listening, please let us know how we did. Let us know if we missed some things or if we needed fact-checked on some things. We appreciate all of you guys for listening to the show because without you listeners, we would not grow. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. And as always, I'm Hannah. And I'm Taylor. And together we are Weird Side Podcast. Podcast.